start with the red letter part. Now is the Son of Man glorified. Now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in Him. If God be glorified in Him... God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while am I with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews... Whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. God bless you. You may be seated. Very strange, very strange dissertation. Jesus is talking about himself. In the second person, I'm talking about English diagram now and not matters of Godhead. English diagram and not matters of Godhead. He spoke of himself in the second part, in the second person when he said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. He's talking about himself. He was the Son of Man. Does anybody believe that? Brother Steph and I believe it. Anybody else believe that? He was the Son of Man. Hallelujah. But that was just on one side of his family tree. He was also the Son of God. He was the Son of Man. He was the Son of God. How could he be the Son of Man and the Son of God at the same time? Same way he could be the Alpha and the Omega at the same time. Just exactly the same way he could be the first and the last at the same time. The same way he could be the beginning and the ending. He was a very, very unique and unexcelled person, character, individual. Because you see, Jesus was a man. He was subject to every physical opportunity, ever physical demand and weakness that you and I are subject to. He was born after the flesh, born of virgin birth, but every bit a human. And yet he was so much more. Humans don't say to stormy seas, peace be still. 
and they subside. Mere mortals don't say, roll the stone away, Lazarus come forth, and the dead, the power of death is broken. Mere mortals cannot walk on seas and break a few loaves and a few fish and create a miracle. Man, he made the biggest cookout in the history of the world with just a few loaves and some fish from a young man's lunch. Wow! What would he have done with some pork shoulders and a, and a barbecue rig? Man, what a cookout. He was more than a man. He was the Christ, the Savior, the Son of the living God. But He was the Son of Man. Don't ever lose sight of the reality. Yes, He was the Son of God. Yes, He was the sea walker. Yes, He was the blind eye opener. Yes, He was the deaf ear unstopper. Yes, He was the dead raiser. Yes, he was healer, helper, deliverer, king of kings and lord of lords. But don't lose sight that before all of that, Bethlehem's lamb, the the lamb of the manger of Bethlehem, had to come before the Redeemer who stepped out with victory over death, hell, and the grave. It was the plan of God. It was the progression of the plan of God. Isaiah himself called it so when he said, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, you can't have the Everlasting Father. You can't have the Prince of Peace. You can't have the first and the last unless... At the very beginning, you have a child born. If a child's not born, a son can't be given. See, God does things in progressive fashion, in stable fashions. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. It's just as natural as the Son of Man being the Son of Man first before He can be. Son of God. But He's the Son of God in creation. He's the Son of God in heaven hereafter. He is who He is. And yet it didn't make it any less mystifying or any less amazing when Jesus says to His disciples and the multitude gathered up with Him, He's getting ready to go to Calvary. It isn't going to be long until he gives up the ghost and they think all hope is lost. And they're going to be thinking it's all Judas's fault. The fault game. Let's stop just for a minute here and talk about the fault game. You know, you as a believer, as a Christian, you don't have the luxury of playing the fault game. It's their fault. It's this one's fault. It's that. The biggest fault game Christians play is it's the devil's fault. The devil made me do it. The devil did that. Some things are not the devil. Some things are us. 
Some things are not even God. Some things are us. And I'm not trying to take God's credit. And I'm not trying to let the devil off and let the devil down easy. I'm just telling you that some things we have to step up and take responsibility for and say the flesh is the flesh is the flesh. And that's why we need a Savior. Hallelujah. I thank God for a Savior. I'm glad I have a Savior. Coming to church this morning, I had a radio station playing in my vehicle, and they played that old-time statesman song with Jake Hess and Hovey Lister and, 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 and Rosie Roselle and, and Doy Ott and the Big Chief, and they were singing, Oh, what a Savior! Oh, hallelujah! His heart was broken at Calvary. And such an old song and such a quartet standard that everybody sung it. And, and we can even yawn through it now, but oh, what a, what a demonstration they gave of talent and performance. And as I listened to it, it, it reminded me of where I was the first time I heard that song. And I got so excited over hearing the song, just riding to prayer meeting this morning on the way to church. But then it dawned on me, I'm excited about the song. I'm excited about J.K.S. and his, his use of falsetto notes. And what I really ought to be excited about is, oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got one that's the Christ. The Son of the living God. Amen. But he was a man. If he hadn't have been the Son of Man, he couldn't have died. That's why he said to them, You don't take my life, I lay it down. They could have driven nails in his hands and his feet and stuck spears in his side and whipped his back until he looked like he had been to acupuncture with spears just Stuck everywhere, and if he didn't lay his life down, they couldn't take it. Because his life was not theirs, but God's. God sent forth his Son into the world, made of a woman. Made a little lower than the angels, but he crowned him with glory and with majesty. Yes, he is the Son of Man. Thank God he was a man. Thank God he could lay his life down. And not only that, he could... But that he did. Somebody needs to touch their neighbor and say, I'm not only glad he could lay his life down, I'm glad he did lay his life down for me. I'm not simply thankful that he was born. I'm not simply thankful for Calvary. I'm not just simply thankful for the cross. I'm glad he was willing to go to Calvary for me. I'm thankful not only that he did go, but that he was willing to pay the price. He was willing for his blood to be spilled. He was willing to drink that awful cup, that cup of loneliness of the sins of all mankind. Thank God we have a Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. There's something infinite, very bearing, very telling about the word now, now is the Son of Man glorified. Glorification. 
Glorification. Let's talk about glorification for just a little bit. Not everybody understands glorification. Sometimes I'm not sure I understand glorification. Just about the time I think I'm ready to take on glorification, something happens. I hit my thumb with a hammer. Or somebody gets my parking spot at Walmart. Or somebody cuts me off at a... uh, uh, narrowing of a, a lane in a highway, and I realize I'm not nearly as close to glorification as I thought I was. Oh, go ahead and sit back there and stare up here at me like you never have a problem. Why, goodness, I pray before I go to Walmart. I pray, oh, God, help me. It's good seeing you, Sister Huffman, but that's, that's about the... Sometimes that's the only positive thing about Walmart. Sometimes I walk in there, and you're not there, and I say to myself, Oh, grand, this is going to be another yucky Walmart day. Amen. I'm thankful they got those self-service cash registers. Now I can mess their day up like they mess mine up. Man, by the time they've got two or three different ones trying to help me straighten out everything that I... Hey, you're not glorified yet. That's the point of this. Glorification means you made it. Now, I'm going to dance a little line here just for a minute. Y'all aren't shocked at that. I've danced lines for years in this pulpit. I'm going to dance a little line here for a minute. Perfection is something we can come into and go out of. Come into and go out of. Come into and experience for a moment only to find out later we're not. You can do everything right and rise to a level where you're pleasing in the sight of God and for the stage of your life right then, you're doing everything perfectly but you're not ready for glorification. Now, you may as well nod your head just like Brother Donnie and I are. Won't do you any good to buck up and say, I don't know if I believe it. Frankly, I don't care whether you believe it or not. You can be wrong if you want to be wrong. I'm telling you the truth. You can be just like the little apple tree that's got a bloom. It ain't got an apple yet, but it's perfect for where it's to. You'll never have an apple if you don't have a bloom. You'll never be a diamond if you're not a chunk of coal at one point or another. See, perfection is an ongoing thing. That's why it says, leaving the tenets of yada, 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 let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation under dead works, etc., etc., etc. Because perfection is an ever-pursuant thing. We pursue it. And wow, just about the time you think you've made it. And wow, I'm perfect. Yes, maybe you are for the stage you're in. I'm not being shoddy. I'm not being short. Maybe you are. But oh goodness, you're going to hit your thumb again. I've learned that you can make perfection last a little longer when you hit your thumb if you hurry up and get it in your mouth before you say anything. Mm, 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 mm. Brother 
in Russia. And that's not tongues you're talking in either. Oh, it's a tongue, all right. Perfection is something you've got to pursue. In life, you're going to hit your thumb sometimes. In life, you're going to stumble sometimes. Oh, boy, I'm preaching good. In life, you're going to have some ups and downs. In life, you're going to have some reversals. In life, you're going to put your thumb in your mouth, so to speak, a whole lot of times. And you're going to say things you regret a few times. You're going to put your foot in your mouth. If it was only your thumb, you'd be all right. But sometimes I wind up with my foot in my mouth. And that's so painful. That's so difficult. But hey, perfection is on the other side of all of that. Perfection surrounds that. But you want to keep on keeping on because someday your best efforts... Your best attempts at perfecting yourself in the fear of God will break into glorification. And Thessalonians says it this way, Then this mortal shall put on immortality, and this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and we shall be changed. You know why you're in church this morning? Do you know why you're in the house of God? I'm not going to make you perfect in a 20-minute or a 30-minute sermon. But, oh, man, maybe I can encourage you to go on a little farther from where you are. Maybe I can encourage you to make a little change in your attitude, in your disposition, in the corruption of your personality. And if we just keep changing, we shall be changed. Oh, man, glorification is the result of an instantaneous change brought on by time ceasing to control and mortality ceasing to be in charge. But we're still mortal. We're still the Son of Man. We're still flesh. Someday we'll wake up in His likeness. Someday we shall be even as He is. Someday we shall know even as we are known. Someday we'll shake off our weaknesses, shake off our shortcomings, shake off the things that are unlike Him. But right now, the best we can hope for is changes that bring us into His glorious nature. Amen. Does that make any sense? You see what I'm saying to you? If you grasp that, then let me ask you something. What's the most righteous thing you could possibly ever do? What's the most glorious thing that you could ever bring about? If we're going to talk about holiness and righteousness and godliness in this present life, and the Bible says we need all that. How many of you know we need all that? What's the most godly, righteous, holy thing you could ever do that would change you more than anything else. Now, you're welcome to put your hand up and give me an answer on that. I, you know, I'm open for it. I, I guarantee you we're going to get a lot of different views. One's going to say, soul winning. I already ran this past two or three of the deacons this morning. One's going to say, soul winning. To be a soul winner, that's what it's all about. 
Let me tell you, soul winning is what we are about. That's what we're called to. Somebody's going to say, holding out faithful to the end. That's the most righteous, godly thing. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Don't let go. Remain steadfast, unmovable, ever abandoned in the fear of God. And that's great. That I'm, I'm in agreement with you. We need to be steadfast. You know, we're such a people that go by how we are and who we are that if we were entirely honest, somebody would get up the courage to say, well, you know, I think the most righteous and godly thing I could do is when I come out of sin and I come into the, uh, into the church out of the world to make the changes that are necessary so that everybody sees me knows they're not what they used to be. I don't dress like I used to dress. I don't live like I used to live. I don't look like I used to look. And I believe in that too as long as that is not the cart put before the horse. There's going to be folk coming out of the world. They're going to have tattoos all over them. Because that's the age we live in. When I was a young kid growing up, if you had a tattoo, you was a heathen. I mean, just that simple. I said something one time just joking about Because one of my uncles had gone in there, or my cousins had gone in the Navy and got a, a, a Navy tattoo on their arm and a, and a heart uh, under the Navy. And I said something about, when I get such and such... I'm going to get me a tattoo like, like, and I named my cousin. Had Man, the next thing I knew, I was getting up. <laughs> no, I mean actually, literally. My mother didn't even come to me. She just reached right over from where she was and pop. Man, that's the gospel according to Fanny about tattoos. But hey, we live in a different world. We live in a different age. We're in a different time. People coming out of the world, they got problems in their marriage. They got problems in their life. Man, tattoos are nothing to those people. They got habits they got to break down. Man, yes, we want people to look like Christians. Yes, we want them to live like Christians. Yes, we want to make them uh, into uh, godly Christian people. But I got news for you. We can't bleach their tattoos off before we get them full of God. No. I'm telling the truth. That's just how we live. Man, you may not ever get some of those deep tattoos bleached off. They may still have a, a heart on their arm that says, U.S. Navy, I love Mary. And Mary didn't last till they got home from boot camp. They're married to Betty. What do you think Betty thinks every time she looks at George's arm that says, I love Mary. That's just the world. I'm not nearly as concerned about somebody's tattoo as I'm concerned about being an influencer that shifts them out of this constant son of man disposition into beloved. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Oh, my God, if we could ever get a vision that we don't have to stay son of men, we can become son of God. 
problem is way too many never get out of the son of a gun disposition. Man, we got to be influencers. We got to change. Yeah, you know, we're such characters of habit. Somebody would say, well, you know, the most righteous, godly thing I could do is be faithful, never respect, pay my tithe, go to church, live right. And that's good, and we need that. But soul winning and being steadfast and dressing and looking and living the part and being faithful in every respect, there's something that rises to a higher level in terms of righteousness, old-fashioned righteousness. Righteousness is simply the art of being right every time, not living wrong, not being wrong. And Jesus himself said, if you want everyone to know that you're my disciples, if you want to know what you can do is the most righteous thing, the most godly thing, the most holy thing, then by this shall everyone know that you're righteous, that you're godly, that you're my disciple. If you stop putting yourself first, if you stop defending yourself first, if you stop thinking about yourself first in every situation, and you start loving your brother and your sister. Oh, what a church this would be if we all would just get an attitude of I don't have to have my way. It doesn't have to be like I like it. I don't have to be the first one in line. and I don't have to get the first choice in, in, in what happens. Hey, I'm just glad I'm a part. I'm glad I'm on the team. I'm glad I'm a part of the company. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Our righteousness is wrapped up in how we treat others, how we feel toward others. Do we love others as much as we love ourselves? Oh, our country is in trouble. Our nation needs a revival from the White House to the Big House. Everywhere from our prisons to our House of Representatives, we need a revival. We need a renewal. We need a strengthening. We need to be brought back to God. But I got news for you. The president isn't going to be brought back to God. And the boys in jail are not going to be brought back to God. And the schoolhouse isn't going to be returned to prayer. And the big house isn't going to be given back to holiness unless at the living level of this church we get to the place that it's not all about us. It's not all about me. It's whosoever will. Let him come and take of the waters of life freely. It's about, I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I love you. That doesn't mean I always understand you. It doesn't mean I think you're always right. But it does mean that right or wrong, it'll always be I'll have your back. I'll be there for you. I'll cover you with prayer. I've got faith in you. If you've got the Holy Ghost, I believe you may do wrong. I believe you may make wrong choices sometimes. And you may go wrong decisions and wrong directions sometimes. But I've got faith in the Holy Ghost that it can take a son of man and make a son of God out of him. I've got faith in the Holy Ghost that even if you make a wrong choice, the Holy Ghost will get you by the hand and bring you back and cause you to be corrected. Does anybody have faith in the Holy Ghost that we preach around here? By this shall all men know 
that you're my disciples. Before they look at how you dress, before they look at how you look, before they listen to how you testify, before they recognize where your church membership is. How do you feel about orphans? How mindful are you of widows? Do you visit the sick in their need? The bereaved and the broken, are you concerned for them? Bloated little bellies on dying little children in strange lands. Do you ache to see a well drilled so that the water they drank will not create the epidemics of malaria that takes their lives away? Are you interested in a handful of rice to go to somebody else's child? Or is all you're thinking about right now is somebody's going to get my seat at the restaurant I go to every Sunday because he's already five minutes past closing. By this, we're going to know either your belly's your God or you love others. I'm embarrassed. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to admit it. I'm not going to try to hide it. I'm embarrassed when people who do not have our gospel, do not know our gospel, and do not love the truth will drill a well in a Hindu village or a Muslim village for dying children to drink water and be cleansed and to live longer. Then I don't want to be too condemning. I don't want to get into the details of it all, but we've red taped ourselves. We put so much red tape on what we do and how we do it. We've made the crime scene more important than the acquittal. It's a crime that we have a Savior and we ignore Him, we neglect Him. It's a shame that He could do so much and we believe Him for so little. But we can't make the crime scene our focus. We've got to say, for God so loved the world, He loved our kids. Thank God He loved my kids. My kids may not be the prototypical example that should be used in this setting right now, but thank God He loved my kids, and I love my kids. I don't defend every choice they make. I don't think that they're above making mistakes and need to repent when they do. But I want to tell you something, bucko. You think I'm down on my kids. You're one marble you got in your skulls bouncing around. I love my kids. And I love them so much I want them to be saved. But wait, 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 wait. I'm not done with that. But I have to love your kids 
the same way. And I have to love you the same way. And I have to be willing to say, no, you, you, you messed up. You made a bad choice. You made a wrong choice. It wasn't a righteous thing. But the way to get back in righteousness is let the Holy Ghost pull you back again. Let it draw you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we get honest enough to say, I too have gone astray at times. I too have walked in my own way at times. If we can't get that honest, it isn't me you're resisting. It's Jesus. Jesus said, All ye like sheep have gone astray. You have turned every man to his own way. But God hath laid on Christ the iniquities of us all. You see, do we love enough to blur the lines to say, even though you're outside of grace, I love you enough, I'm coming to you. I'm coming for you. Do we love enough that even though we know they may not make heaven in the condition they're in. Now listen, listen close. They may not make heaven in the condition they're in. We love enough that we don't want it to be hell right now. That says it all. Stand. I love you enough that even if you're wrong at this moment, I don't want you to live in hell right now. And I certainly don't want you to go to hell for eternity. I'm not standing here to judge anyone. Oh, you're lost. To hell you go in a handcart. I'm not up here to preach that you're so far out of the ark of safety that nothing can help you or reach you or change you. Instead, I'm here to say, would somebody please help me be the righteous instrument of God that I want to be by reminding me that the most righteous thing we can do is love one another. For God is love. God is love. And when you love someone that's lost, you're showing them God. When you love someone who's gone astray, you're showing them righteousness. You're showing them the right way. How about it? Would you bow your head in prayer right now and would you say to God out of your own spirit and out of your own heart, would you say to God, God, there's so much room in me to be improved in these matters, in these areas. I want to be righteous. I want to be holy. I want to be cleansed. I even want to come into the glorification of the Holy One. But oh God, there's so much left that I need help with. Would you cast your load at the feet of the Lord right now?
Why don't you pray right where you're standing? Father, forgive me. Father, help me. Help me to be more like you, Lord. Because I need your help. I need you to change me, Lord. I'm tired of who I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you ask somebody there beside you, would you pray with me? Or maybe you might ask them, would you pray for me and can I pray for you? Because we need the love of God to be manifest in our life and we need to be influencers. Hallelujah. God, shake us. Wake us. Help us to Hallelujah. People need the Lord. Oh, we need Him. in your participation in this service today. I am of the opinion that every sermon is not the type that needs a altar call where folk rush down and repent of a specific thing. There are sermons that are for our food for thought that affect us, that change us as we go forth. I would hope that today is one such sermon and one such service that you will not forget what's been preached here. The most godly, 
righteous, holy thing we can ever do is to immerse ourselves in an attitude of loving our fellow man, loving our brothers and sisters, loving the lost, loving what Christ loved and reaching for what He died for. Don't forget the service tonight, prayer at 5. Choir members be prompt. Be prepared. Great singing tonight in that service. 5.30 worship will be in full swing. Great preaching of the Word tonight from Brother Step. Great worship from you. Bring your friends. Invite a unsaved individual to come and make peace tonight with a God that loves them in a church that loves them. God bless you. You're dismissed to go in the name of Jesus Christ.